You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 88. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And I am power. You ain't gonna break me, I'm gonna break the game. I am power. Okay. It's the new new Shadow Warrior trailer. Well, not new. It came out last month, but, like, it showed up on my queue on Steam. And I absolutely love that trailer. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Yep. All right. Do you remember Shadow Warrior from when Andrew might remember Shadow Warrior? I doubt Tracy remembers Shadow Warrior because that's when she was still uh, on the horse and buggy. But like in the '90s, Shadow Warrior was like the off sh- was like the the knockoff of Duke Nukem. So we're gonna okay. make it more outrageous but cheaper. And it kind of disappeared. So now Shadow Warrior 2 came out about two, three weeks ago. And it showed up on my queue on Steam. And uh, I absolutely love the trailer. The announcement trailer and the Who Wants Some Wang trailer are just great. And no. the music. That you, the I'm... music, yeah, because the character's name is Lo Wang. You guys see So he's like, Who Wants Some Wang? And I like, mean, I, just, I love it. That's a blatant setup. That's not even subtle. No, it was never supposed to be. Well, if it's a, if it's a like, knockoff I, of Duke Nukem, I mean, Duke Nukem already isn't subtle. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. And I just I just feel like in today's day and age, we all need a little bit more Wang. That's just me. So with that in mind, uh, today we're going to be talking about the continuing saga of Frank Cho and the Mary <laughs> Sue. We're going to be talking about Michael Fassbender getting dual cast for a, um, the Prometheus sequel. And... Speaking of dude wanting wang. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm, uh, that just might have broken me for a I moment. I derailed Andrew. This is yeah, a that brilliant was, moment. That was good. It. Oh, we're off to a fantastic start here today. And also, we're going to be talking about the theft of over a million dollars worth of merchandise by a Comic-Con executive before we get into our main topic of Doctor Strange, the newest Marvel film. I also Ooh. want to talk a little bit about the trailers that opened in front of, of Doctor Strange. Because we've talked about them before, but I got I got fan reaction to a couple of them now. Okay. Only like one of which I actually caught because we were super late running into the theater for the two o'clock showing. Oh so. really? We were only only we were only a, a, a little late, so we, we caught most of them. All right. But anyway, so cool. let's, dude, let's what, let's why don't do we go ahead and jump into the continuing saga of Frank Cho? Oh, this is really something. So Frank Cho and Milo Manara had a panel at the Italian Comic Con Luca. Or the, the I'm not sure the full name of it, the the Luca Arts Festival or something like that. And he was actually inducted into the Hall of Fame. And they had a panel. I don't have any transcripts from it or anything like that, but where these two men talk about drawing women because they are well known, at least to me and amongst the comic book world, for drawing these very erotic pinup styles uh, in comic books, either in their own creation. Or in mainstream. They're very famous cheesecake artists. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're right up there with people like Olivia and and Louis Royo. So I literally learned what cheesecake was like two weeks ago. Can you guys explain cheesecake real fast? It's basically a form of drawn art that centers around women in erotic or semi-erotic softcore poses meant to emulate pinup art from the 1950s and 60s. Okay. That's, that's gotcha. basically it. So good examples of that are guys like Frank Cho, guys like Milo Manara, uh, women like Olivia, who does uh, who 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 flaunts it regularly. One of her books is called Let Them Eat Cheesecake. It's a fantastic book. But really, it all stems from a guy named Alberto Vargas, 
from the 1930s, who Vargas's artwork was highly inspirational, incidentally enough, with the original Wonder Woman concept. And there's a very good NPR show with what's her name, the Fresh Air, Fresh uh, Air Terry, Gro- Terry Gross. Yes, that was I. Where she does. I did hear that yes, one. Where she does one, and she mentions this. She calls him Vargas or Vargi or something like that, but it's out Alberto Vargas. And, and how, how it was highly influential. So this has been around for 80 years. And if you remember, we've, if you've been following on this podcast, we've talked about the number of controversies that Manara and Cho have engendered for themselves by drawing, let's say, suggestive, I wouldn't even call this hardcore, but suggestive covers of people like Spider-Woman and then Cho kind of being transgressive and, and parodying it and parodying the kind of outrage so they've created a little cottage industry in making fun of the outrage. And they kind of land themselves a panel at the Luca Comic Con to talk about their love of drawing women and how they do it and the reaction that it's been getting as of late. And sure enough, it caused plenty of reaction because Mary Sue, which, as Tracy will point out at some point, has become uh, Manara and Cho's like, best publicist. Absolutely. These guys wouldn't even be in the news at this point for the, this specific thing. If it weren't right. for the Mary Sue becoming like obsessed with it, they're obsessed. Like they're they're actually validating the situation by being obsessed with it. It's hilarious we'll, to me. We'll post it in the show notes. And they have a very long and drawn out argument that that's worth dissecting with a scalpel, but we don't have time to go into today. But what I find fascinating is Tracy's point is incredibly uh, relevant because these guys have been doing this forever. And all of a sudden, now we're outraged. We're shocked. We're shocked that Manara and, and Cho have been doing this. I have art books on my shelf right here next to me that date back almost 15 years. You know, I mean, because Vargas, Vargas goes back to the 30s. So all of a sudden, no one cared about this. I know no one cared about this because no one knew what the hell I was talking about when I would bring <laughs> these guys up. No one knew a flying flip about these guys until somebody decided to have an axe to grind about niche artists drawing women. And it, what's amazing, and, and I'll, I'll, I will quote from one article, which was written off of the inverse.com, and it is by a woman who I've never heard of before, so I don't know her background, Beth Elderkin. And short post, easy to get through, where she just clearly is not, you know, kind of, what, what's the word, documents some of their transgressions putting that in square quotes over over the last couple of years, but closes the, the, the article with this interesting paragraph. And she says, quote, while these men might be talented artists, neither of them are qualified to speak as masters, in scarce quote, of drawing women, because in order to draw something, you have to understand it. And neither of these men have bothered to know or care about what women want to see or be in comic books. They'd rather complain about evolution or the PC police, also in serious quotes, rather than acknowledge that they don't know women as well as they thought they did. Tracy, you have Fifi's on this one. I have, I ha- well, and I, I have a counterpoint. I mean, you listen to this and you go, okay, let's just talk about the masters of the human form, the Greeks, right? They are the so masters of the perfect naked women, right? But naked the men, only... naked boys, athletes. Yeah, a- across the board, they excelled at creating the perfect human form. And yet, as far as I can think of, just off the top of my head, the only Greek civilization, the only Greek city-state that truly embraced like what the woman wants was Sparta. And they were the Greek city-state that had nothing to do with sculpture or art. That was Athens. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me that you have to know a woman's mind before you create 
a piece of art about her body. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't help, especially if you're trying to sell comic books to women, but that's absolutely not necessary. And she used ridiculous hyperbole. Come on. I think what's amazing is that I've never thought of these books as actually, you know, by women for women or by men for women. I mean, these are just Cho and Manara doing what they do best and filling a market. I mean, I just, these are the stuff that I love. And I can tell you, it's a super niche market. We're not, my the stuff that I'm into is not the mainstream. So getting all bent, <laughs> out, getting all bent out of the shape over this kind of stuff is just really, all you're doing is making my stuff is more, more popular. It's a wheel of validation and popularity, right? So the Mary Sue talks about this. They get a bunch of retweets from feminists. And then it makes Frank Cho more popular. And so he does more of it. And then the Mary Sue reports on it. So more people read. Like, it's just a circle. These two people Eventually are, are it will conquer the world. Yeah. Oh, God. More cheesecake. Yes. The no, conquest of cheesecake. Know, I mean, but, and here's what I don't get. As I, I had opportunity to speak to Cho uh, at last year's San Diego Comic-Con, very briefly at his table. You know, and, and, and mm -hmm. he basically said that he's becoming more popular than ever because of this. And he said this, he's not just said it to me, I'm not breaking news here, he said it in, in other interviews. And I remember the girl and I were at Baltimore two years ago, three years ago, right around the time this stuff started to happen. And there were a lot of women in that audience watching Cho uh, live draw. And, you know, he was... Uh, that was that one, the one where he did Rogue Washing rogue the Triceratops? Tri <laughs> yeah. That was and, such and, a and, great panel. It was fantastic, and a woman in the panel asked if he gets pushback from women for the way he draws, and he goes, "No, mostly it's religious." So he hadn't—he wasn't aware of the of the vanguard that was coming. But the woman who asked him the question goes, "You know, I love this stuff. You know, I grew up on on Frisetta and and Vargas and stuff. I just I, I I eat this up, but I know some people don't, and I think that's the point that gets missed is that some women do not like it." And some women do, and a lot of guys like it, and some guys don't. So just be calm and move on with your life, because if you really don't like this stuff, don't talk about it. I mean, there's a, a Tracy talked about nude sculptures from from ancient Greece and and Rome. Frank uh, on thebleedingcool.com. Frank, there's an article about Frank Cho attends display of full frontal nudity, and it is him in front of Michelangelo's David. <laughs> now, come on, folks, can we really just relax for one second here and just just not be afraid of naked bodies and how men draw naked bodies and how women draw naked bodies or butts or boobs or spandex or anything like this because the more you irritate them the more they're just going to draw stuff i mean on the mary sue page frank cho was given a uh, a drawing by milo manara and it's the uh, other view of the spider woman the From reverse the back. view of the spider woman is the back and manara now being known about knowing about the uh, uh the outrage it's fairly more explicit than it probably ever would have been, and it's and it's definitely. I don't have you seen it, Tracy? Are you looking at I it? I have. I have. Yeah. Yep. It's, I'm making so, a face because it's kind of in poor taste. But, it is, but it's also hilarious, also, and in context, it's just perfect. And what is funny to me is that the Mary Sue is popularizing, even or or at least publishing about this one thing. It was a gift from one guy to the other. It's not like it's even like the cover of anything. It's Correct. nobody's going to ever see it except that they reported on it, right? Literally, yeah. no one no one except that panel would ever see that particular drawing except that they made a big deal out of it. Right. I, and then, you know, you're talking about women that are on one side really liking it, on the other side really hating it. Then there's me. I don't give a crap. I'm not going to sure. buy it. Sure. And that's kind of like the whole point is like someone who has been into this art for years and years and years since I was in college, no one gave a shit about this. And then all of a sudden in two years, it's like, oh, my God, outrage. It's like, dude. This has been in the back 
corner of every comic book store that's, you know, in, in every mean, comic convention. Yeah, it's always been there. So just relax, folks. It's not that popular. It's not going to leave the back you. corner. Unless yeah. you start going to shine a spotlight on it, it's not leaving that corner. No. I mean, it's like I could tell you the dust that these books collect. Oh, my God. It's just, I mean, just, you can you can grow corn on these covers because <laughs> there's so much dust on them. It's just, they're not that popular. And really, the only people who are getting those names out there are people like the Mary Sue and this uh, Miss Elderkin. Or guys like uh, Greg Rucka, who just make a big stink out of this. It's just, it's virtue signaling and just relax. It's not, it's not that popular in the first place. Yep. Well, honestly, if we apply some logic that they use against their enemies to this, maybe she oh, really do does it's like good. it. You're going to, you're going to like open up a, a, stop, a rift stop. in the yeah. universe. Like, it's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. You never apply logic to these people. Damn. Damn. Cause, cause my thought is like, if she's so is she's protesting so hard, then she must like it, and be scared sure. of her feelings. Well, I mean, what really it comes down to is is it's one of these things where uh, you've got a woman like Miss Elderkin or Mrs. Elderkin who is saying, you know, these men don't understand women, and let's assume she's an artist because I don't know who she is. Well, okay, do you understand men? Who the hell who the hell says you can draw men? Because you don't sound like you understand them very much. So so what what do we what do we draw in here? Who who's allowed to draw who? And who decides who really understands them? Because she says, Cho and Manor don't understand women. Or maybe they do. But maybe you don't think they understand your type of woman. And then you've got these other writers and artists who are going to draw comic books about with men and women in them. Who the hell is to say that they understand what the hell men know or say, or children, or space aliens, or superheroes, or androids, or atomic robots? What are we talking about here? Come on. So speaking of androids. Yep. Yes. That's my piece of news. So... That is called everyone's... a professional segue, people. <laughs> everyone's favorite fastbender is going to be playing two roles in Alien Covenant. So, dude, I don't know what this means for you, personally. Well, I think at this point I should just come out and set the record straight, That uh, come out of the closet and say that I am what I call a fastbend sexual, and that means I like having sex with women and Michael Fassbender. So that's... Right, well, and now you You've can actually it. admitted that already in the podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes, it's, I think so. So, you, so you're well out of the closet at this point. Yeah, so any, um, anyone who wants to accuse me of heteronormativity, cisgendered, straight, white, male, crap, nope, I am not fast-been-sexual. <laughs> so you're going to have twice the opportunities to do whatever it is you do in darkened theaters um, <laughs> when you see Alien Covenant. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> why why would you do that to us that's a visual that nobody wants nobody wants that mental image i didn't say anything specific i, I let it I was let too it was too much no right that's the problem <laughs> it, the rea reality is probably even more horrific but yeah yeah don't go there don't go down that rabbit hole andrew what do you is, have is this alien covenant gonna be uh, so i didn't follow up on this one is alien covenant gonna be another ridley scott production yes or? yes it he's, is it, well, it's at least the, he's the one talking about it it's the sequel to prometheus yeah. but they called it alien right because at this point ridley scott has finally admitted that prometheus was in fact an alien prequel oh and he also said, said, he, was, what, he was like he was like it is no no it's it's not gonna be it is it's not it is it's not finally he's like all right fine fuck you guys it will be <laughs> so apparently this um from what i've read sort of across the internet the alien covenant is going to be like what I've heard specifically is it will be an alien movie with a Prometheus span, so this or scale. Mm -hmm. So it's it's supposedly going to include. I'm just hoping for more of those white aliens, the like the fountain. What do they call them? The, the engineers. The engineers. Thank you. Yep. Because those were I 
that was the annoying thing about Prometheus for me was that the trailers teased these guys and I was super excited about this expansion of the universe and then they were just there really wasn't much more than the trailers worth of them. That, mm. Well, that and the, hey, look, space jockey. Right. <laughs> All right. So what did you have, Andrew? So this is an article from the New York Post. It's actually very short, so I'll actually go ahead and, and just straight up read it. Uh, so it's titled, Comic Convention Exec Raked in $1 million from Stolen Items. A comic convention marketing exec raked in $1 million for himself by stealing celebrity signed merchandise from his own company and then selling it, according to a lawsuit. Stephen Seamus, 42, Help select celebrities for fan gatherings run by Wizard World. Uh, this is none of that's shocking to me. Which, <laughs> which pays stars to show up and sign autographs for fans, but often finagled the high-profile pro- figures into signing mem- memorabilia for him personally. Seamus, quote, often negotiated money-losing deals for Wizard World in order to gain access to celebrities whom he could exploit for his own enrichment, end quote, and, quote, illicitly obtained, end quote, autographs for himself in the process. The company claims in a Manhattan federal court suit. Wizard World fired Seamus on October 27th. He could not be reached. That so, was not that long ago. No. I mean, I mean, the article is articles dated as of today. Hmm. I just think it's interesting. Uh, one, Tracy, you had mentioned this before we started recording, that it's kind of a, an interesting footnote or caveat to the idea of celebrities making a lot of money that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but how much more they're making. Also, I'm kind of not stunned by this being a wizard world issue because oh, they are oh, no, they are so celebrity centric mm-hmm. that they've almost set them up for themselves up for something like this it also it makes me feel weird whenever it and this happens so rarely usually if i'm going to have someone sign something for me whether it's a, you know a statue or a, a book or whatever usually a book i have them make it out to me but recently i've had so kurt and i have gone to a couple of conventions together so if we're both getting an item and having it signed or we both have one, then I'll usually have one made out to me and then one just sort of as a gift. But it feels so awkward asking the person to not make it out to a person. And you kind of, you know, in the back of their head, they're like, am I going to see this on eBay? Oh, yeah. I just always that, yeah. feel, you know? At least my experience has been when I'm getting someone to sign it, almost always while I get it personalized. I, I can't off the top of my head think of a time I haven't. And most people get a little bit more, a little bit of a smile to them, you know, when they're like, oh, it's going to be personalized. Like, okay, this is this is either for themselves or for someone they know. This is, yeah, I'm not going to see this on eBay in a week. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I don't know who I was watching getting something signed or signing something. The guy was like, so who do I make this out to? And the person who wanted the object was like, uh, no, you don't have to put the name down. He's like, you sure you don't want a name down? He's like, yeah, no, no name down. I could, and you could see the look on the person's face, like, "All right, so you actually don't care about this, right?" And and you it sort of reflects want... in you don't care about me. Like you're not a fan. You just want right. a high profile signature on something, which sucks because usually I don't. And again, even in those cases, I'm never getting a signature for something I don't like. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it feels kind of you know, kind of scummy. Because I'm like, no, I, I actually like you. I, I like you a lot so much that I want to share this with a friend, but I don't know what friend yet. Uh, do you get? Do you buy that? I hope you do. Right. Well, at, well, that, think... at that point, even when you're telling the truth, you feel like you're you feel like you're lying and lying right, poorly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think Andrew's absolutely right, though. This kind of stuff with Wizard World was bound to happen because Wizard World's focus is so heavily on celebrities that this just feels like it was inevitability. I'm almost kind of impressed that this guy like pulled that off. Yeah, a million, to... a million dollars is a lot of money to make off this stuff. I mean, That's yeah. a lot in merchandise because you got to think how much is a signature really worth? A couple hundred dollars at the most. Right. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, even Sly Stallone was like you know five hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. You know, 
So he had to have been doing this a while, or he must have just had a ton of stuff. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it helps. Like I said, he was a marketing executive, so he interacted mm-hmm. with these people at basically every convention that Wizard World does, and they put on something like twenty or thirty events a year. He could also mm. probably make it sound like he's going to auction it off for charity or something. You know, at least sort of imply that in in the because marketing. I mean, that's that's what they do, right? No, I'm I'm sure there was there was some very underhanded statements and things made. And... Yeah, the article was basically alleging him of making deals that were bad deals for Wizard World and and deals for him. Yeah, right. That was basically it. So I I don't know if there's a criminal aspect of this, but there's definitely like a you know. Back off, Loss of you, income you, or something. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're terrible. You're just yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a dickhead uh, yeah. aspect to this. I, I, I'll be curious to see if we follow up on that later. What, what, how it turns out. Yeah, I'm interested. We'll kind of keep an eye on that one. I think. All right, so Doc, okay, Doctor let's... Strange. Well, I do want to talk about before we go too deep into it, the trailers ahead of the, of, of the movie because we because I got to finally see the Wonder Woman trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, in front of Doctor Strange that I had not seen yet, and I don't think we talked about. Uh, we have not and, talked about uh, this one yet, no. The new one, and uh, not good. Not <laughs> not interesting. And my audience, which was a very animated audience throughout the whole night and, and reacting to the trailers, did not react positively to the Wonder Woman trailer. So I'm curious what you guys thought about it. I, mean, I liked it. I it, co- it, it, feels, it feels very Zack Snyder. And I was, I was yeah. actually talking with Becky about this earlier today in that I kind of want DC to like mix things up a little bit so they, mm-hmm. so that all their movies don't feel Zack Snyder. I mean, in general, I liked it. The guitar solo ending Wonder Woman mm-hmm. theme is starting to drive me a little nuts. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's also starting to feel more and more out, out of place every time I hear it. Yeah, every time you see the, like, it's a it's a period film. Right. With, like, a 1970s guitar solo. Yep. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. It's like, there's just no, I just didn't feel any excitement watching that trailer. Because, like, we watched... We had the Rogue One trailer that we've talked about, and we had the Power Rangers trailer, and even the Logan trailer, and the audience was like, way, they were way jazzed for Power Rangers. Like, they were, they were ready for Power Rangers. I was blown away. But, like, no excitement for that Wonder Woman trailer. And I don't blame them, because I just don't think it was an exciting, you know, heart-pumping trailer the way the other ones were. Yeah, I, I'll say I don't think the audience was energized for any trailer we I watched. I'm, I mean, I'm trying yeah. to think of, of of some of the other ones we watched, and I can't think of the audience at all mm. reacting. Hmm. Yeah, there wasn't much of a reaction in mine either, and we had a fairly animated audience for the movie itself. So See, these I were was... people like responding to the screen and and laughing at all the funny bits. So it, it yeah, we had a very quiet theater for the trailers, at least the one the three or so that I saw. And like, part of me was like, wow, this Power Rangers trailer is going to do good. But then I realized my last prediction about Ghostbusters and based on the reaction that my theaters had with Ghostbusters and being $70 million wrong about Ghostbusters. True. Like, just being wrong. That movie lost money. And I thought it was going to be a big hit. And I thought it was going to get a trailer and a franchise and everything. And that no longer the case. So who, who the hell knows? But I'm kind of I'm root, I'm rooting for Power Rangers. I, mean, I think I think Wonder Woman is going to make money either way. It's the first really big one with a female lead, so mm-hmm. you're going to get some audience. At least that's my personal opinion. I'll go see it, obviously. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're almost kind of, we're almost contractually we're obliga- yeah, obligated we're at this point. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. They were also yeah. I did see the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. They were people were freaking out over that one too. I um, personally freaked out, but nobody in my theater did. I was excited. Really? I love Baby Groot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the Guardians trailer, and that's the only other one I was thinking of is like. We had the Rogue One, we had the Guardians trailer, we had the Logan trailer, we had the Wonder Woman trailer, and like I'm just like, 
I don't think anyone reacted to anything. The one that surprised me was uh, we got the Pirates of the Caribbean 5 trailer. Oh, I got we that did too. too. And yep. it was, I was confused, and there were a few people like trying to start a clapping, and I was like, no, stop, don't. Not, not for this one. We're not encouraging no. this. Please yeah, stop no, encouraging this behavior. Yeah. Oh my stop god, it. it looks so stupid. Oh well, about, about halfway through, I leaned over to Becky, I'm like, pirates? And she's like, yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, I was gonna like. I, was I like, guess we're doing this again. I was like Jerry Bruckheimer, sailing ships, mm -hmm. and then the yo ho ho very slowly. Well, no, I figured it out before that. At that point, oh, okay. I figured that, yeah, that was the very end. Well, and it's just it's the same like very CGI bad guy mad at Jack Sparrow for something we don't know about again. <laughs> yeah, and I'm right. like, and <laughs> like give me something more. And nope. Johnny okay, Depp needs I guess a paycheck. Yeah. Yes, this is that moment. Paycheck and a hit because he ain't got any of that. Not lately. All right, so let's get right into this. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I, I, boy, going into this, people were really, really jazzed and had big things to say. The reviews were good. The trailers were pumped. good. People were pumped. How did you feel walking out of this? Let's start with Tracy. I want to hear that. Um, I have been more pumped, but I was not less. I was. I wasn't bad. I, I, I enjoyed this movie. So. I go in with very little Doctor Strange background. I mean, I've seen him in um, sort of interacting with other characters in other books that I've read. I've never actually read a Doctor Strange book in which he was any kind of a lead. So I sort of went in. I really love Benedict Cumberbatch anyways. Um, that is not to say that I love everything he's ever done, but he's magnetic. Like, he's just very eye-catching. When he's on the screen, I feel like you don't really look at anyone else. I'm a big Tilda Swinton fan. I think they both knocked it out of the park. Other other acting was a little bit more shaky, but I was willing to overlook that. I thought there was a, a brilliant um, juxtaposition of mysticism and cynicism that I thought spoke for the average 2016 viewer, which I thought was really cool. Just in general, when I left this, I was like, all right, I went in expecting this. I came out having seen this, like same exact level. I'm good. Andrew, what do you think? I, I enjoyed myself. I think I have I have a few issues. I did enjoy Benedict Cumberbatch as as Doctor Strange. I enjoyed Tilda Swinton. You did or did not? I, 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 I I'm sorry. I did. You did. Okay. Did. I enjoyed Tilda Swinton's acting. I don't. I think I think her character was a little rough. The actual like the written character. Uh, Baron Mordo was good. The villain was fairly forgettable. Like I don't actually know the guy's. I can't remember the guy's name. The actor. What well, was also weird. Or the character name. The character. Oh, you mean Mads Mikkelsen's character? Yes, Mads Mikkelsen's character. I'm sorry. I was thinking of, like, the overarching dark... Was that a Celestial? Was that our first view of a Celestial? No, that was Dormammu. That was, that's one of, like, the... It's almost like an, it's almost like one of the Elder Gods out of out of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. It's that kind of gotcha. level. Okay. There's a couple of them, and, and they typically really only float in, in and around the Doctor Strange books. That makes sense. The effects were really cool. I really enjoyed those. The plot was kind of the plot was okay. Like it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. I didn't. And you know, this is one of those movies I didn't necessarily go strictly to see the plot. Like I went to see some of the cool effects and for them to introduce the character. Yeah, I I kind of came into this one with lukewarm feelings. Like okay, how is this going to go? Because we're basically going to give blockbuster treatment to what appeared to me to be a C level superhero from the early '60s. And has only, you know, in my knowledge of comic books, only ever really makes an impact when he's a supporting cast in somebody else's storyline. 
like a Spider-Man story, for instance. Someone was telling me that Doctor Strange was great in that, but on his own only recently has he apparently uh, made a mark for himself. I will say this, the weakest point of this film was definitely the cast. I never, never bought Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange from the beginning. Never bought him. Not really a big fan of his either. So that he had like kind of a, a, a um, something to overcome to start. And I yeah, thought he had the a movie, handicap to start. Yeah, and uh, I thought the movie started out slow and never really captured it. And when I you say was, when you say you didn't believe him, do you mean that you just saw Benedict Cumberbatch on the screen, or there was something else that kept you from really believing he was the character? Oh, both. I just kept seeing Benedict Cumberbatch, a bad American accent, and just someone I just did not buy as Doctor Strange. Just never. Gotcha. He did didn't have the look, didn't have the swagger, didn't have just anything. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is something. I, I this is I buy this. I got this guy is this character. No, never felt that. And I think that kind of resonated throughout most of the performances on screen. I thought Rachel McAdams was just kind of lost. Didn't really buy her character. Didn't even. She know was why trying she to was do there. another The Notebook. That's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I was. I just don't think her character. Was... Her character didn't serve a purpose. Hold on, hold on. Let me because let me. There's a few. Like there's a few characters because like Tilda Swinton. I've generally liked Tilda Swinton. She tries to do this androgynous character before when she was Gabriel and Constantine. I thought that was pretty good back then. Didn't really work this time for me. And the whole plot line of her being the master in charge, but then using a little bit of the dark powers to make herself live longer, but not letting anyone else use them. And then Mad Mickelson's Cornelius character, whatever the heck that guy's name was, being the bad guy for eternal life. Didn't buy that. And I'm not a fan of him either. And I just didn't like watching him. The only actor that I really kind of liked was um, the guy who played Mordo. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor, yeah, Chiwetel. Thank you. I was gonna call him Chiwetel. He's actually um, <laughs> best known to me from Serenity, the Firefly. No, um, he yeah. he has done many many good things. He's also Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, he's done a bunch yep. of good things. Now, see, sometimes you see, sometimes you get the bad Ejiofor or the good Ejiofor. So like, that's what I was so just gonna say. I think this was a weak get... performance for me. I thought for you because like for yeah. me when you go back to Serenity that was like the really hammy cheesy Edge of Four where it was just like oh okay this is see I felt it was like I felt like it was the same and, character I was like I'm one, just watching him in a different universe okay. yeah he was a little toned down and it was it was I I I want to like that actor more but again I just thought this was a miscast film from top to bottom the plot I think you guys basically stated fine it, the plot's the plot you were not gonna, this was not particularly complex pretty stark uh, good versus bad. The humor in it, I didn't buy the humor. I didn't. I don't think I cracked a smile watching this film. I think the only character or line things that I found were funny were the cape. I kind of liked the cape. Thought the cape was pretty cool. I I swore to God, I, I swore to Becky that you were gonna despise the cape. No, I thought I you were making me look like a fucktard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like. Well, that's not hard, and you know, <laughs> what else is new? Um... <laughs> There was one line in the movie that I did like where uh, Ms. Coulson's talking about, uh, I need, you know, our, our eternal life, join my side, and, and Cumberbatch goes, look at your face. Yes, like, that was the best moment. That was, that was fantastic. That was kind of nice. I laughed I though, I most of this really, entire thing. I'm not a huge fan. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of time travel, so the use of time travel as a mechanic I, in this yeah, just kind I knew of irritated you were gonna be me. That. Then we've got the kind of mysticism but it was wrapped up in that kind of new age Deepak Chopra crap that early on really 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 bothered me and never really hold on hold on never really uh recovered from it and even in the moment where I thought the film was going to redeem itself where medical science was going to help save Tilda Swinton's character's uh 
life for a second, she just astral projects out of her body and then become, you know, was like, I think I'm going to die now. Overall, I, I felt it wasn't certainly a bad, I'm not saying it was a bad film, don't get me wrong, but I was mostly underwhelmed by how this, how this one played out for me. Not gonna, not gonna nail it, or not gonna nail it to a cross like I've done other films, but I was just kind of underwhelmed by it. Wait. Yeah, but you're talking about like how the the mystical element, all that stuff, is threw you off. But I'm like, but the whole point of this movie is that they sort of underpinned it with this 2016 very modern cynicism. Like at first, it was Doctor Strange's character himself, like not believing in any of this crap, like chakras and whatever, and he's all mad about, you know. Um, the, the ancient one pulling out this text that shows acupuncture. And then once he actually buys into it, it's his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, whatever, ex-lover, Christine, who has the same sort of attitude. And I feel like they speak for the viewer, they speak for you to some extent saying, okay, well, none of us buy it. We're just going to suspend our disbelief for this movie. Oh, no. See, this is, this, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. Like, it, it, you know, the, it's the cynics that get proven wrong, but it's these explicit new age it was one thing just to say magic like we use magic spells right gandalf i can oh you mean like astro the astral this plane is, this and is all that explicit stuff. new age jargon crap that guys like deepak chopra peddle in awful awful books to manipulate the public into believing in pseudoscience crap and that's it was all there the 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 chakras and the energy healing stuff and the mind over matter stuff and it was like we I don't know the character very well, so I don't know if that's a, an underpinning in the comic books. But that's, I'm never happy when I see that kind of crap. But that was, wasn't the point that that didn't actually happen in the end. He could channel all this stuff and heal himself and move on and pretend like none of this ever happened, but he chose not to. And he chose to do other stuff with it. Like, you, no. you have this sort of energy and you can, you can choose what you do with it. You can either spend your whole life fixing yourself magically or whatever behind the scenes, or you can move forward and use this for a different reason. I don't know. No, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree things. with you. Huh? I think we're talking about two separate things. Yes, that was the choice of the character. I was just talking about its inclusion. You know, that level of explicit New Agey, coast-to-coast AM, psychobabble nonsense certainly didn't make me happy early on in the film. It definitely yeah. got away from it later on, where they just okay. went straight magic. But but that didn't mean I got to be happy with it or, you know, when we talk, I was, I was just waiting for, what are they going to do next? You know, cupping and vaccines cause autism. What, what's <laughs> next here? How, how much pseudoscience, anti, anti-science crap can we pile into one Marvel movie? I think it did a great job later on of blending the two though. Like he ends up in a hospital when it's time to, you know, when he actually needs to be shocked back into life. And then, you know, they occasionally the extra energy from the uh, defibrillator helps him beat the bad guy. I, you know, stuff happens. Yeah, well, so this is certainly not one of the best Marvel movies that they've released, and no. <clears throat> Becky and there I were talking. The hype going into this was like it's as good as Avengers One. I I heard people wait. Say somebody that. said that. Okay. Yeah, I, see, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Hear see, I, I heard. I heard a lot of people go. It's good. It's not top five, but it's good. That's that's the that's the level of hype I heard from most people. That's yeah. more reasonable. Right. Where where I think we're there's a concern, and I posted a, an article on. Um, on my, my side projects, some assembly required. That basically, if Marvel's not careful, their formula for these movies is going to start is starting to wear thin. Mm-hmm. Like we're starting to see the diminishing the the diminishing returns for you know how Marvel structures these films, and they're going to have to do something differently in order to to not you know lose people. 
because it's another one of the end of the world, right? And this this time, Doctor Strange solves it with time travel, and it's it's always an end of the world story. It's like enough with the end of the world. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, yeah, sometimes it's not the, even cri- just that, the crisis but... is a little more personal. It's a little more here and now. It's not overarching. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get, I get, you know, it's superheroes, and and to some extent, you can't, you're not going to get away from that. However, just going forward, they're going to need to be careful. Oh, I. Well, I... I... The other point that that article made that I thought was quite interesting from a more female point of view is um, this person said, let me, let, it's about halfway down and it says, Marvel Studios has plans to introduce other heroes up to and including Captain Marvel. By the time Captain Marvel, and, and that's the studio's first headlining female superhero, but by the time Captain Marvel hits theaters, I'm still quoting here, the MCU will have turned out 25, 20 films. Wow, I can't, I can't read today. Most of which follow the aforementioned formula. Nevertheless, if Captain Marvel meets a lackluster box office, it will likely be chalked up to the fact that the film features a female lead rather than poor or and or tired storytelling. So I think that's a, a good point to make. I don't know that is necessarily true, but yeah, if they, I mean, if they continue on. Well, again, I don't think they're there yet, but I think this is the turning point. They either need to do something or they need to accept their fate. I'd like to see a few more movies be a little more personal on a, a little bit of a lower level, similar to the Netflix shows Daredevil, Punisher, that kind of thing, to see a little more of a of a here and now, very imminent, very localized threat that a smaller superhero actually tackles. Well, keep in mind, I don't know that they have that. With, no, that's what we got with Daredevil, uh, not Daredevil, Deadpool. Like early in the year, De- Deadpool was mm-hmm. a fairly restrained, even though we still had to have a large object fall down. Uh, yeah. We it was a fairly restrained. It's movie a helicarrier. Helicarriers to- have to crash. But like, even if they're crashed, right. they got to crash again. Like how they, you know, you got to tip it over. But what what it's amazing is like we had what what else did we have this year? We had uh, Doctor Strange, we had Apocalypse. Apocalypse, we had what else did we have? We had a few others this Civil year. Civil War. Civil yeah. War. So it's these big like end of the world. All everything's gonna be broken at the end of this story if we don't fix this. And it's it's eventually. It's just rehashing the Bond plot over and over again. It, if we don't stop this, it's the end of the world. And to Tracy's point, I wish they were going to you know, do a, a little bit more low-key character-driven. Because that's the one thing. is This movie, I, I didn't think, had any character to, to, to really speak of in terms of just interaction between the actors. I was waiting for the bad guy to grab the Christine or whatever her name was and like hold a gun to her head or something. Because isn't that what... Adds urgency to these. I was waiting to care about the the bad guy. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. It was just like I want immortality. I'm going to destroy the world because I worship you know chaos or something. You know, Dormammu, which is just fun to say. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was another big problem. That except for the a couple of the main characters, the names were so hard to pronounce that they were also hard to remember. Mordu, Mordo, whatever his name was. Um, Dormammu. I, I was. I could. I kept getting them mixed up. I yeah, and, and I mean, the ally who wasn't. These are definitely Doctor Strange is known for like names. If you're not familiar with them in the comics, you're you're gonna have a hard time with them. And I was kind of wondering whether or not they would be able to pull that off. And I don't know that they. And I really don't think they necessarily did. You know, like or Dormammu and Agamotto. One that's not mentioned, but Ciderac. Wong. <laughs> I did like Wong. Wong. I did like Wong though. Wong. I, do, you remember, it, do you remember uh, Reservoir Dogs? Wong. <laughs> from the beginning? No, I don't. I, it's been a long oh. time. It's been years since I've seen sure. Reservoir Dogs. I'm going to put that clip in the show notes. The only thing, I, the only, only part of, from the beginning of Reservoir Dogs I remember is Mr. Pink complaining about how many times his coffee cup got refilled. Yeah. I just like the line from Harvey Keitel. If you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. 
<laughs> well, look, here's the thing. The critics absolutely love this film. It's it's sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is yeah, that's and true. The top critics really the breakdown the top critics really really like it. So there was something here visually. Yeah, it had a couple impressive scenes, like the kind of psychedelic trippy. Color. Well, that was that was one of the things that actually annoyed me. That was that he specifically talks to her about whether or not the Teasley's with LSD, and then the, she's like, "No." And then the next five minutes are an LSD trip. I mean, have you guys seen um, what's that Beatles movie based on Beatles music? Um, across the universe. Uh, across the universe. Thank you. Oh, and the really LSD actually, trip yeah. in that movie is actually that that exact thing, like the spinning planets and the kaleidoscope colors, and I'm like. You're not convincing me that there's not LSD in that team. I'm just saying. <laughs> it would have been funnier if there was. The other thing was I really, and, and I laughed at, at most of the jokes in this movie, except for the one where uh, Wong is actually listening to all the single ladies after he pretends to not know who Beyonce is. I didn't laugh at that. So I laughed at most of the jokes. The only thing that I thought was a missed opportunity was that the Ancient One like beats up Doctor Strange across multiple universes and he comes back and she calls him Mr. Strange. And what I wanted him to do was look up at her like from his knees and say it's still doctor but he didn't so that was i felt like that was a missed opportunity and that that would have fed to your point dude where they actually valued a little bit of science in there too no i mean it's fine that it wasn't it didn't have to be science right I, it, there's every now and again they'll come up with like we've talked about fuzzy science on this show before and i just give it a pass but it's one thing to use like fuzzy made up science if you used fuzzy made up new age crap i probably would have been okay with that as opposed to actual new age crap that people spend real money on and wind up killing themselves because they don't actually treat themselves with science Poor that, that, that that always gets me that 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 grinds my gears Poor Steve jobs <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff i look yeah other than that i thought the movie was pretty underwhelming i was i was just like okay it's fine i'm just not a fan of this cast and i usually love rachel mcadams but i just i really didn't like the cast that's what bothered she is me hot about. she's even hot in scrubs that's hard that's hard to do. Was Rachel McAdams in Scrubs? No, 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 no not, not the, the show. show. In Scrubs, oh, like oh, the clothing. Yeah. yeah. She's hot. No, she's super, super cute. I really like her. Yeah, but I, now, I, I think you guys... Also, I swear to God, she hasn't <clears throat> aged a day since The Notebook. No, it's amazing. Like, her... There's, like, those women in Hollywood that just don't age, or as they get older, they get better looking. Mm -hmm. Nicole like, Kidman's another one. Michelle well, Pfeiffer. Up until very recently. And Diane Lane, for the longest time, were always gorgeous. Yeah. Always. But now, what did you think of the after... The after-trailer stuff I thought was kind of a letdown because, you know, it was just basically Mordo's a bad guy. Ooh, who didn't see that coming? And then... And that, again, he just he's his same character in Serenity. He's unflexible. He's almost a religious fanatic. He's just so hammy sometimes. Like, he was... He, that guy is so hammy. Too many sorcerers. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, like, Benjamin Bratt is like, oh, nice to see he's still working. <laughs> right. <laughs> How he how he got like a major credit in this I don't know. Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> Everyone's like I know that guy. He was on NYPD Blue. <laughs> oh wait, no, that was Jimmy Spitz. Never mind. Right. I mean, I'm I'm excited for Thor Ragnarok because I seem to be the only Thor fan in in existence. Like a fan, any, the only fan of the the Marvel, the the cinematic fan, um, the cinematic films. You want to do that one again? No, really. Again? No. Keep your seats. Keep your seats, folks. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> Law and Order. That's what he was on. I knew I'd yeah. seen him. Before. <laughs> right. Tracy Cousin didn't. Lady. Tracy didn't even hear me flub that one. She was completely. <laughs> she was completely engrossed in IMDb. Yep, no, he's the guy from Miss Congeniality. Everyone knows him. <laughs> oh, he was on Miss Congeniality. Holy crap! Oh. Wow, throwback. No, I, I mean I'm looking forward to Thor Ragnarok, but I'm just kind of like, okay, we're gonna have Doctor Strange and Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. 
And Thor has a brown beard now. He's brunette on the chin. Although I did like the fact that like you know Thor drinks the beer and just looks, and the beer starts filling back up. Which yeah, I think was that was Strange, right? He's excited because Strange did it, or was he doing it? And I don't know who I, was, I, I don't know who was doing it, but Thor was pleased. <laughs> yes, yeah. he sure was, and yeah, he does I, not like tea. It just it just feels like that's the direction they want to go with some of these Marvel movies is start to like fill up with characters. It's just because that's why Civil War did so well, and that's why Avengers does well. Is just one people thing, want to see the characters. Well, I was saying, we, well, you know, we, we, was, we did get the uh, we did get the Time Stone. We did so we did get another one of the Infinity Gems. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Kurt and I were talking about it right after the, the lights went back up. Holy shit, guys. Do you know how much they're spending on Infinity War? Like, just the lead-up. Billions. I mean, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch commands a lot of money. Chris Evans, Chris Pratt. Like, these are big-time stars now commanding millions and millions of dollars in salaries. And that's not counting all of the special effects. And this is a multi—oh, my God. This is an incredibly expensive movie. The lead-up, and then who even knows how much the actual budget for the movie will be. That's— crazy if they don't pull this off oof, that's gonna be tough if they don't pull this off dc's gonna pull the cord real fast mm. yeah yeah i don't i don't know where that's gonna go or how that's gonna work or that that movie just feels like it's gonna be a mess i hope they I don't, don't i hope they don't try to do like i hope that they scale it appropriately because they have the option to either go way too far and have too many like moving pieces and too many storylines that they're trying to keep in one or they could just sort of slim it down really well. Who Knowing knows? Marvel so far, it's probably going to be the former, not the latter, but we'll see. Yeah. Infinity Wars is going to be three of its own movies, I bet you. No. They're going to do what they did to The Hobbit. Just at the last minute, well, we're going to make another one. I mean, it was two movies, and they cut it down to one. Oh, Infinity Wars is now one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet you that's going to change. I mean, change, you mm -hmm. change back? I mean, how, do you want to make yeah. that Do you want to make that interesting? Because, I mean, you keep saying stuff, and sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're wrong, and I feel no, like at this point wrong. we need to put money on it. He's always wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong about Ghostbusters. That was about as confident as it could have gotten. Freaking uh, neckbearded misogynist online, making people not want to see women movies. <laughs> their fault. It's their fault. All right. All their fault. Has nothing to do with the fact the movie wasn't actually any good. All right. Any more, any more thoughts on Doctor Strange? No. Dude doesn't like it. I do like it. Make yeah, up your own mind. Well, do you like me know. more? Do you like him more? Are we going to have to bring back like, the Team Tracy, Team Dude hashtags? We're going to yes. have to. We well, should have given up on those. Dude hasn't done the Tracy's wrong hashtag in a while, so I feel like that's coming. Yeah, but again, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to plant my flag on Doctor Strange. It's really, I guess not. I was just not. I didn't hate this the way I hate the like Suicide Squad, right? Like this was just un, un, unimpressive. As opposed to just uh, a full-on disaster like Suicide Squad was. This was yeah. just like, ah, okay. All right, so Tracy, since you, you were telling me ahead of the podcast you're looking forward to this, what are you into this week? So um, I watched a couple of movies. I watched Ride Along 2, which was awful. It was so awful. I, I don't even I don't even want to talk about it. That's how bad. Huh? Brothers-in-law. Oh, it was just... <laughs> It was so stupid. Anyway, and then I watched this very old movie called DC Cab that had um, Adam Baldwin in it from the early, I think it was 1983. I just tried to was... yourself. She goes, this very old movie from 1983. Dude, it's three years older than I am. Oh, God. Come on. Like, that's not young. But, <laughs> I mean, and I forgot Adam Baldwin was actually quite attractive back in the day. I would have had a crush on him in my early teens. Um, and then the other thing that I'm super, this is why I was so excited about this. Um, I'm going to hold this up so you guys can see it, and then I'm going to throw it in the show notes. It's this book called Unmentionable. Hey, I would like to Teresa. point out how dude just catapulted himself from leaning back up to the screen. Yes. <laughs> I saw that too. 
and it's by Teresa O'Neill, and she did actually an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, and um, I read her answers to what people were asking, and then I immediately went to Amazon and I bought this book. That's how good she was talking. And I don't know if any of our listeners ever read the blog by the blogess, uh, Jenny Lawson. Uh, she's a very, very popular, probably one of the most popular bloggers on the internet at this point. She's very sarcastic, very, a little bit crazy, but in a really good way. But anyway, so this is called Unmentionable. It is the Victorian Lady's Guide to Sex, Marriage, and Manners. And basically what this does is it breaks down what it actually was like to be a woman in Victorian times. Um, it talks about knickers with no crotches, check, arsenic as a facial scrub, check, the infrequency of bathing and the stench of the Victorian human body, check, mate. So I'm really excited about this book. I've only just barely started it, but obviously I think it's going to be great. So, dude, what about you? I got roped into watching this show called The Good Place with Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. And uh, at first I wasn't impressed, but as I watch it, it's more and more interesting. The basic premise is that Kristen Bell plays a bitch who gets killed and accidentally winds up in heaven, for lack of a better term. And she doesn't belong there. And Ted Danson plays the eternal being that oversees this particular good place. Apparently there's multiple good places and, and he runs this particular one. And really, we've talked about this before, the, the man of system. Mm-hmm. And Ted Danson kind of plays the man of system and how just everything starts to come undone for Ted Danson. And how Kristen Bell is trying to, for her soul's sake, stay in the good place because uh, she really was a pain in the ass. When she was alive. Uh, interesting, uh, Andrew, for you is that uh, it, Christian's character uh, grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, grew up and died in Phoenix, Arizona. So there's a couple of Phoenix references throughout the show. Nice. But uh, other than that, I did see the movie Miss Peregrine's School or Home for Peculiar Children. Mm-hmm. Yep. How and is that, that? I haven't seen that yet. That was also fairly underwhelming. Um, oh, that's too bad. It's that's that's like, a, um, that's what's his name? The Nightmare Before Christmas guy. It's important. Uh, there you go, yeah. Eva Green is in it, and I love Eva Green. I think she she's great. But unfortunately, she kept her clothes on. <laughs> I was waiting for you movie. to say that. And uh, she put, Not she even any, like, deep cleavage or anything? No. This woman Aww. was covered from neck to feet, and it was infuriating. Um, <laughs> but she's still beautiful. That's the thing. Is she, and she's good. She's always good in it. But it's just... It's like X-Men meets Harry Potter. That's really what yeah. the movie was like. It was like X-Men yep. meets Harry Potter, and it just wasn't... That's about what the book was, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I If you're started... interested at all in that, if you like horror or Tim Burton, I would advise that you look up a an Instagram girl called Christina McConnell. McConnell? Yes. And she has actually been sort of doing horror and stuff just on Instagram, like decorating her parents. Like, she's really good, though. And she does sort of like a Victorian horror, a lot of um, sort of HP Lovecraftian. And, dude, I think that you would like her because she does, like, pin-up calendars and stuff in the yeah. style of Tim Burton. And then he actually – she ended up getting hired to promote this movie. Oh. And that's her big break in things. So, yeah, I would I would say she's got a free pin-up calendar online right now. So if you like it, you can, you can like, print it out and, and do whatever. But, again, uh, so also, the dark theater thing, that's entirely up to you. Yeah, also got into – George Orwell's Homage to Catalonia, which is his account of the Spanish Civil War. So I'm a couple chapters into that. It's very, very good. I mean, he, a lot of his stuff. Because well, last podcast, which I finally finished, wrote to Wigan Pier. And I think that's actually 
Oh, there's a lot of his books. We just think of Animal Farm in 1984. There's a lot of his books that are actually still relevant and important, and and those two seem to be one of them. And I'm just I'm just now that I got my computer all up and running, I've just been playing Steel Ocean like nonstop. And I I would I would highly advise Andrew. I think you'll like this game. I think I think you'd really like it. But that's just that's just me. Yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, so it's I... free. That's the thing. It's free. Right. It's completely free. Yeah, so I have been. I started reading Meta Barons. Yeah. Nice. I am on the fourth uh, chapter, so I'm on uh, Oda. Yeah. Really stuff is great. Re- yeah, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, really great stuff. I mean, the, the art, the art's wonderful. Yodorowsky's storytelling is great. All around worthwhile. And and yeah, nuts, nuts. Yeah. Jimenez or Jimenez or however you. It's because it's it's not Jimenez with the J. It's G. So I I think it's Jimenez. I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name. But his artwork is just stunning. It's so vibrant and and lush. I, I love that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, so that's that that that's been kind of my evening enjoyments. And then today, Becky and I went on an, advent, an adventure to buy a new television. The the one that I've had since for about eight nine years. Uh, basically, when you turn it on, it starts trying to go through the, like the turn on cycle, and it just keeps cycling for about five minutes. All the while, it's making like popping noises. Oh no! Right, and you know, dude, nice. We, we've taken you know, like ele- electrical engineering courses, and you know that you know electronics are dependent on the magic smoke. And when mm-hmm. the magic smoke comes out of the electronics, they don't work anymore. And so I was waiting. <laughs> we we were like hoping that we might make it to like Super Bowl Sun, like you know, right before the Super Bowl, because that's when you know, that's high, the best high, deals. Yeah. Right, that's when high end TVs go on sale. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. And this morning, like Becky tried to turn on the TV. And instead of making like the little like startup chime noises, it just made it just sat silently clicking and making popping sounds. And we're like, okay, this thing's about to blow up on us. So we go- very, very reminiscent of F is for Family, like the first couple episodes where they buy the new high end TV and it just fucks up immediately. Yeah. So we go to best, the Best Buy close to our house, buy a new TV. They don't they don't physically have it at that store. So we drive out. 25 minutes or so to, to Independence, to uh, out to Virginia Beach, pick up the TV, get home. I've got it half unpacked, and we bought one of the, the, the cool new curved TVs. Mm-hmm. And I pull the foam, the styrofoam out, and I look, and I'm like, this is a really straight TV for being curved. Like, this is, this is, and I look at the box, and it's like, fuck, they gave us the wrong model. <laughs> pack it back up, pack it back up, put it back in the car, drive back out exchange it drive back home put it up and so becky and i watched like an episode of supergirl and then you know we've been recording podcasts so i've been she's been downstairs watching tv on this glorious new television and i've been up here that's awesome talking to you horrible people you will have to tell me how that works because i i i've been eyeing those for a while and i also am waiting for super bowl it is glorious i I voted today i should i should mention that we've done filled out our ballot and we voted today and uh, yeah, it, uh, California is is a is the experiment in direct democracy because there were 16 statewide propositions, and the measures for San Diego County went from like A to L or cat J. Damn. It it was a lot, and I also I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but because of some of the new rules in California, like so for senator. You don't pick Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. It's just whoever got the most votes in the primary in June, those top two go on the ballot 
for November. So there were so two, be Democrats. two from the same party. Oh, wow. yeah, there were two Democrats, two women running. So I just skipped it. I was a couple of them. I just skipped. I just that's, didn't. That's very out. bizarre. Yeah. Oh, and it, one of the measures for San Diego County was to implement that for local elections. And I was like, well, I hope I'm, I'm going to vote no on that one. I hope you don't do that because that just basically ensures California will stay a one party state. For yeah. yeah. But yeah. Well, so there and, was some... and I sh we should mention that this actually is going to this podcast is going to drop on Election Day. So if you have not voted early or you have not voted absentee, then you guys should stop listening to the podcast and, and run for the anyway. border you yeah. still have time to make it and by border he means the australian border because i don't i don't care what, what i don't care what border it is i mean drive He's drive your car it. off the pier into the ocean you are better off yeah run no, for some, your life i'll be honest there were some things that were pretty satisfying voting no on the san diego charger stadium that was satisfying mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that along with comic-con yeah, voting, voting yes on Prop 64, legalization of marijuana, that was satisfying. Uh, voting to repeal the death penalty, that was satisfying. A couple others that I like. Oh, yeah, one of them was really stupid. It was like, this is some of the things where, where the people should not be voting on a few of these things. And one of those was, Prop 59 was that Citizens United was wrongly decided. So for some reason, what? we have a ballot initiative for the people of California to tell the Supreme so, Court they were wrong. Like, that was dumb. <laughs> that was really dumb. That's just weird. Uh, so, yeah, it was weird. And then uh, vo voting no on condoms for porn actors, that that was also satisfying. Yeah, Prop 60 was a, was a statewide ballot that would mandate condom usage for adult films filmed in California. And All so right, folks, so if you like what we did... Silence... <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds like a, that sounds like a great time to end it. <laughs> Wow. I can't think of and a better note. To, note. Yeah, I can't think of a better note to end on. We're only going downhill from here. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Don't like YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. I'm the dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> You've been listening to Therefore I Geek. <laughs>